All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's going on? How's it going? The weekend happened. I've been seeing a lot of movies. And I, you know, there's definitely movies out. Tonight, I'm going to go see Godzilla. Because Kit is a, a true Godzilla head. On Saturday night, we went to see uh, Dream Scenario with uh, Nicolas Cage. And I thought it was uh, great. It's so rare that satire nails it. And a lot of times, I don't even know if some movies are satire. I really have to think about it. But there's a lot more satires than you would think. But this one is very consciously a satire. And this, there's an edge that satire rides that I find very satisfying and uh, a little disturbing when they're good. And this was a good one. I'll, I'll talk about it. How would that, I will talk about it momentarily, but let's, let's do the business of the show. Today, I talked to uh, Kate Simon. Now, Kate Simon is like, I met her on Instagram, I think, but she's like a real deal photographer and she's shot, she's been in New York a long time. Back in the day shit, man. And she was in England at the beginning of her career. She she shot people like Iggy Pop, Patti Smith, Andy Warhol, Madonna, a lot of William Burroughs, Robert Maplethorpe, uh, a lot of Ed Ruscha, Richard Hell, The Clash. She did the cover of the first Clash record. I didn't even know that before I talked to her. Uh, her work is in the permanent collections of uh, the Museum of Modern Art, the National Portrait Gallery, the Met, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2004, she published a limited edition of her Bob Marley photographs. Now, the book is finally getting a wide release in bookstores. It's called Rebel Music, Bob Marley and Roots Reggae. And it's kind of an amazing book, like a beautiful book. It's weird that sometimes I forget about Bob Marley. And there's no reason to ever forget about Bob Marley, but there was such a huge, like... I can't remember what year it would be. I, maybe I was in high school or just after that when reggae took over the world and Bob Marley was sort of everywhere, almost godlike. And those those four records or so, the first four, are great. And I listened to the hell out of them at some point. But then reggae became a lifestyle and then it kind of melded into hippie lifestyle and then it kind of infused itself into everything. And I, I, it seems to have gotten away from me, the reggae. But, uh, you know, looking at this book, it's pretty, pretty stunning. And, you know, after Scratch Perry died, we were, it was all back on the radar. And I imagine some people live the reggae life, but, but I have not. So just seeing those colors, you know, the green and the orange and the yellow and, and seeing all these pictures of Bob, you kind of realize what an original artist he was and what that type of music represented at the time it came around. It was sort of a, the beginning of world music in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And... I just, uh, to kind of re-engage with it was pretty exciting, but also to talk about the other photographs. All right, one second. I'll, I'll talk about that more in a minute. Brian Jones, you know, my potter, he's still got some cat mugs for sale. And these are nice ones, man. Uh, if you thought you missed your chance, you can still get them. I know they're pricey, but they're special. Uh, these are handmade mugs you get if you're a guest on WTF. That's what they were originally for. There are two versions available for the holidays, both based on the original art we used in the early days of WTF, the first mugs. 
You can go to WTFMugs.co to get your mug today. Good gift. All right, so here's some dates. Now, there's a lot more dates that I'm going to announce now. These are just, you know, coming up. There are more dates at WTFPod.com slash tour. But currently, soon, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm a Dynasty typewriter, December 13th and 28th. The Elysian on December 6th. 15th and 22nd, and Largo on December 12th and January 9th. Then I'm in San Diego at the Observatory North Park on Saturday, January 27th for two shows. San Francisco at the Castro Theater on Saturday, February 3rd. And the day after that, on February 4th, I'm hosting a screening of McCabe and Mrs. Miller at the Roxy Theater. Uh, You can go to their website to get details on that. I believe it might be Roxy.com. Portland, Maine at the State Theater on Thursday, March 7th. Medford, Massachusetts. That's outside of Boston at the Chevalier Theater on Friday, March 8th. Providence, Rhode Island at the Strand Theater on Saturday, March 9th. Terrytown, New York at the Terrytown Music Hall on Sunday, March 10th. And Atlanta, Georgia. I'm at the Buckhead Theater on Friday, March 22nd. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour for tickets. I don't sleep enough. I do not sleep enough. Oh, my God. I, th- I think I'm sleeping like five to six hours a night. Is that normal? Is it age? Is it because I'm too hooked on nicotine and my body starts twitching in my sleep and needs a fix? Is it? I just don't. And I, I don't feel tired right now, but I don't feel great. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Dream scenario with Nicolas Cage is a tight bit of satire. Now, there are many satires. Some of my favorite movies are satires when I really think about it, like, um, well, Network, one of the great film satires, Being There, another one. Uh, I think Three Kings is effectively a satire. Tropic Thunder, one of the great unsung, amazing satire movies. And I'll, I'll talk about that that one all day long because I don't hear a lot about it. I think it might have been misunderstood, but it's tight, man. And it's cutting. But this one, dream scenario. Look, I'm I, I Nick Cage is Nick Cage. And we've all we all have a relationship with Nicolas Cage. Some of us have it going all the way back. I remember him in Rumblefish and then moving through a lot of different Nick Cage kind of uh, you know, phases. But ultimately he is singular. And these last few movies he's done. Uh, being uh, the unbearable, what is it? The unbearable weight of massive talent. Is that what it was called? Where he plays himself against himself. And Pig, which I was excited and amazed by. And now this one. And they're all very different roles, but they're all very specifically Nicolas Cage. But this one is a very kind of tight, smart, cutting satire about... Uh, internet culture, about cancel culture, about the nature of viral images and the culture we live in around reaction. Uh, it's it's I think it's tremendous. And and the thing I really like about it without spoiling it is that it it rides this edge throughout the whole movie. If you once you buy the conceit, which you can read, I, I'm, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by telling you is that this guy, this kind of schlumpy college professor at a small college, starts sort of, for no reason that anyone can understand, showing up in thousands and thousands of people's dreams and not doing much. 
And it kind of moves from there. But once you kind of buy that conceit, which why not do it? Uh, it unfolds in a very kind of smart way and it's provocative. And as somebody who's a public person, I left feeling kind of uncomfortable, which is certainly what you want from a satire. And it kind of succinctly dealt with the the challenges of generational triggering, of cancel culture, of not having control over your image, if you're even a bit public-facing. It was, it's a good movie. And I'm not even paid to say that, and I can't seem to get Nicolas Cage on this show. Uh, but I, I found it great. It, other, you know, satires that kind of move me, uh, I think, I would think that To Die For is kind of a satire as well. I, obviously, there's a lot that everybody knows, but there's a specific zone uh, where the satire doesn't, go too far over the top that I kind of live for. Like I three, I think three Kings wrote a line and I think network wrote a line too, where you believe the conceit and you believe the world and it seems real, but there's a sweat, just a slight tweak on it into the grotesque, into the, the dark, but into the funny in a way that is not a laugh funny, but it's sort of like something in your mind and heart realizes like, oh, this is, you know, this is revealing something much deeper through this, through this artifice, through this uh, conceit uh, that has legs, man. And it's, and it's comedy, but you know, it can uh, cut a little close. So I, I was uh, pretty thrilled with it, to be honest with you. So photography, Kate Simon, one of the great portrait artists of the 20th century. She's, I mean, a lot of the stuff she did in music and in New York, she's got some of the kind of seminal, is that the word, portraits of William Burroughs, that she captured a time in music and art that is just amazing. And I, I'm very sensitive to photography. I wanted to be a photographer. I studied photography. One of the most impactful times I had in my life was taking a year-long survey class in the history of photography. And it was in the film studies. I did a, a kind of a film studies art history minor. But this, this professor, Carl Kirenza, who was also a photographer in his own right, started the history of photography. The first semester, he started a cave painting and went up to the introduction of photography. And that was second semester. But learning, you know, the difference between how photography established itself, you know, documentary versus art photography, how it kind of confronted the idea of what do you do with an art form when everybody can do it fairly easily. And it just blew my mind in so many ways. It was, it was kind of a, a full wiring of how I took in art and culture and everything. And I wanted to be a photographer and I did it in high school. I thought it was a genius. And for some reason, my high school at the time in 1980, maybe 79 at Highland High School in Albuquerque, New Mexico, because we had a real photographer uh, in the head of the department, they built a new art department and it had this, had this fucking state of the art darkroom. It was crazy. And really unnecessary and too good. And I would just spend hours and hours there. I just remember at the time, it must have been 1980. 
I have one of these photographs that I did. And of course, because I was hanging out at the university, I worked in a restaurant across from the university and I was really dug into the art scene and I thought I was like cutting edge. And I did this uh, photograph where, you know, I had my mother hold the aperture open where I set up a ladder in the field in front of our house in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which had just been kind of tilled. So it was all clumpy and weird. I set up a ladder there and I attached a work light to my belt that was plugged in through an extension cord and, and into the extension cord, I plugged in a, a, TV and they were big then, but it was like a, a smaller one, maybe a 12 inch. And it was at night and I turned the TV on and the work light was on and I had my mother hold the aperture open with the TV on and the light on. I walked around the ladder and then I walked up the ladder and put the TV at the top of the ladder. So it all had this glow and you could see several images of me, some kind of folding into the other. There were kind of like waves. It was trippy. And, uh, and it was uh, it won a big award. It won an art. Uh, it won a, some sort of high school art award. It was in some sort of high school art journal, and uh, it was uh, you know oh yeah there were mannequins. See back in the eighties, had to have the mannequins, and they weren't even full mannequins. They were torso mannequins that my mother had bought for something she was doing because she was also an artist, and uh, yeah. And I guess I should have given her credit for holding the aperture open, and I guess for buying the torso mannequins, but, uh, that was punk rock, man, cutting edge. And I think that was arguably the end of my, my, uh, my photography career because it was just too much, too many chemicals, too many apertures, too much to think about. And you could always fuck up the negatives in that bag and then putting them in that little vat and then mixing the chemicals. You didn't know if they were stuck to each other. I just, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't cut it. So I got out, but not without sharing my genius with the people that came to that year-end art show at Highland High School and the people that read Creative Teens magazine or the, the little fanzine, they, they saw what I did. They saw it. So, okay, Kate Simon is here. The book, she's got a lot of photographs. She brought me a couple of her um, catalogs from her gallery shows, which are hard to find, and they're numbered and signed, very exciting. But the book that she's here to talk about, which we do talk about, is Rebel Music, Bob Marley and Roots Reggae, is available at marleybook.com or wherever you get books. And it's a beautiful book. There's a lot of history in there, a lot of photographs of Marley and everybody who was involved at that time in reggae music. And uh, here, here's me talking to Kate Simon. Hotel the bed really soft. I had to replace the bed. They replaced the bed? Yeah, because it's like I got a bed back. Don't get me started. Yeah, on. but you never know with hotels. Yeah, how, how, did yeah. they have a bed that worked? I mean, they were able to go like, oh, we'll give you the other bed. They did. It, did, it doesn't make much of a difference. All I wanted, Mark, yeah. was to see you yeah. and to have enough sleep that I could like bring yeah. it, meaning bring my, my brains. Yeah. Then oh here's my list of com com comics and then I'll shut up. Okay. Comics. Yeah. Richard Lewis Love. Sure, I just talked Love. to him. You know he's doing all right. He's got Parkinson's now. We, uh, tell Richard Lewis please. Yeah. That Kate Simon sends her love. Yeah. I love RL. Yeah. I named him great. RL. He's great. Yeah. He's he when fucking... did you photograph him? 
I we took over the whole Bar Marmot. I photographed him in about 2008. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. then so I, then I shot Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira. Oh, that's good. I love Jerry Stiller. That's hilarious. She was a lot. This is kind of a close. Is that is that, that's is that okay. where you want it? Yeah. It's kind of like a little yeah. no, it's a little claustro in here. Don't don't think about it. All right. It. Uh, Phyllis Diller. Oh, how when did you do her? About 2008. Oh, she was old, huh? I loved. She was like one of the, my favorite shoots of my life. Sure. Oh, really? Why? Because she's uh, well, just oh no get, no Phyllis Diller. Au contraire, oh, yeah? was profoundly intelligent. I'm sure. And profoundly poised. Yeah. And really committed to her art. Yeah. And her assistant, this is the one thing that was unique. Yeah. Uh, it was her, her assistant came up to me and said to me, you, when I arrived in Brentwood at her match, yeah. she goes, You will not touch or kiss Miss Dill- Diller. Uh-huh. I'm a photographer, I've been doing it for 50 years. <laughs> Never I'm not going to touch or kiss this broad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there was a riot. And yeah, then yeah. We, me and Phyllis Diller just got on great. Sure. Okay, and also, okay, so RL and Jonathan Winters, I called up. Yeah. And his son said to me, well, it just depends on, uh, or not on whether or not my father wants to take a dirt nap or not. Right, a die, huh? And I just thought, Okay, later for that. I can't. You didn't do that. go? Did you go? No, because it was so sort of off putting, you know. And yeah, I know a guy who, the, I think the guy that shot that picture I showed you of Rodney did a sitting with an with older. Uh, Jonathan Winter. And I was up there. I went up there when he was old. And it was yeah. more like it wasn't so much a dirt nap thing, but it was depending on how his mood is. Oh, right. That's kind of what he implied. Yeah. And then Jerry Lewis. I talked to him. He was difficult. Yeah. I, how was he for you? Well, Jerry. Uh, uh, Jerry Lewis, I photographed stills on the set of King of Comedy. Oh, wow. So he looks fantastic yeah, in these pictures because yeah. he's wearing these, like, Briani, is that correct, like Italian yeah, suits? Yeah, and, You know, I photographed De Niro and yeah. Marty Scorsese. And, uh, Were you brought in by the production? How'd that work? I mean, I'm good friends with Bob De Niro's yeah. cousin. Okay. He's one of my best friends. Oh, really? And actually, Bob De Niro's mother was... Fantastic. She was a painter named Virginia Admiral. His dad was a painter too, right? Yeah. 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 So I was tight with, uh, I'm still tight with his cousin okay. who was really tight with Bobby's mother. Yeah. Okay. So I had this, those are all my comics that yeah. I photographed. Right. And I just wanted to like say something to you that I thought was kind of significant about my life as a music photographer when right. I was shooting music. Yeah. Um. But let's let's go back. So okay, so you, you want to? You, you brought you, me. Yeah. Thank you for the ACDC yeah, picture. Pleasure. And that was one of your first pictures. Yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah. And that was you took that in England. Yeah, I lived in London from 1973 until 1978. So that's like peak ACDC. It was their first photo shoot. Really? Yeah, really. They they look uh, so young and good. They were they're a great band. You know, I heard you talking about them on your podcast, which I listen to religiously. <laughs> yeah. And I got to formally thank you, yeah. no fake, for getting me through the pandemic. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. I mean, I, I'm really, I was really grateful that you were, you know, getting it done and showing up for me every Monday and Thursday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you get COVID? Absolutely not. Oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I just in New York, you didn't get it. No, good. No, no. Scary times. I mean, yeah, but you know, kind of. If you're gonna go through something that next, that next level, as they say, as that, seeing it in New York was kind of something else. Yeah, no, I know. If for yeah, yeah, no one really understands like New Yorkers because yeah. people were going down. 
It was something else, visually yeah. speaking, yeah. Oh, uh, did you yeah. go out and shoot? I did. And also, I went out being a Jew yeah. to see my doctor. Yeah. And? <laughs> every what? Every and week? I was at, he's on Madison and 59th Street. Yeah. And from his office, yeah. you could see the plaza and Central Park South. And yeah. it was all very... Uh, it was empty? Very, it was so empty, and it looked like some, you know, Escape from New York movie. I bet. Yeah. Um, so, look, I've talked to... Did you did you hear me talk to Ethan Russell? No, but I love his photographs. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Ethan Russell. Love. And I talked to uh, Neil Preston, and you're... I love him. Yeah. Yeah. And you're the, the next one. You're oh, the, wow. You're, you're, the, you're the other part of the huge rock photographer uh, history. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan's wild because you watch, yeah. uh, if you watch the, you know, Peter Jackson's What It Be. Oh, wow. You know, the Beatles thing? Yes. He's around. Wow. Ethan's you know who, like wow. sort of around. It's funny you bring that up because yeah. I was thinking before I came here of mm. Derek Taylor because mm -hmm. I adored him and I worked with him when he was working at Warner Brothers after working with the Beatles. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, you know, mention to Mark that when I was shooting rock photographs, which was pretty much dictated by the fact that I was in London and that was the only work that I could get. And it was in the 70s. It, yeah. was, it was a great time. Yeah. And I was just beginning my career. I was really I was really keen to know about the people who were in the background, like yeah. Don Arden. Yeah. You know, and the, he was the producer, right? No, Don Arden. The manager. He was the manager yeah, of Ozzy Black Osbourne. Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. His, he, his yeah. daughter is... Yeah, the, Sharon, Osbourne. Sharon Osbourne. Yeah, I have a great pho photograph of him, and I was just I interested. saw it. Oh yeah, you did in the books you oh, sent yeah, me. Oh yeah, great. It was all young and pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But slightly askew, like he is. Oh, you mean Ozzy? Yeah. Yeah. No, those shoots with Ozzy were f u n. Yeah. When I was shooting rock pictures, I was really interested in the people behind the scenes. Yeah. Like Jerry Wexler yeah. was a friend of mine because I was friends with his son. I played Paul. Him. Right. In respect, I played Wexler. That's right. Yeah. And and when I was at Jerry's apartment and I saw the gold record for yeah. I Never Loved a Man the Way I Loved You, yeah. probably my favorite record in every of all time, yeah. I got faint in the head. Really? It was really nice. How was Wexler as a guy? I, I did his I did his son Paul's wedding pictures. I love Jerry Wexler. Yeah? Yeah. Smart I mean, guy, right? I mean, forget about it, smart. Yeah. 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 I can't believe it. And you played him, right? In the Respect movie. Yes, I know. I yeah, know. and I've read the biography. Like, I yeah, know the about biography, and that David Ritz interview you did yeah. was masterful. Oh, thank you. Really well done. Yeah, yeah. But I just Good. mean, like, Jerry and yeah. Peter Grant, who managed the Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin. Yep. he was really unique. And then Chris Blackwell, good friend and great. Uh, you know, mentor of mine. Yeah, he was. And, uh, he did. Was he? He was with the Marley stuff, right? He was a producer, or was he? Chris uh, Blackwell. Oh, Chris Blackwell. Yeah, he was definitely all about Bob and yeah. you know Jamaica, and he runs GoldenEye down there in Jamaica. So he was was he a record executive or a producer? Did he produce? I think Chris produced, yeah. and he was he ran and founded Island Records. Yeah, mm. and then right. um, Albert Grossman, who was sure. a really good friend of mine, was he? Yeah. Like these guys, I loved him, especially from what those are strong personalities. Yes, Grant Grossman, uh, Jerry. Yeah. I don't know Blackwell, but I can yeah, only Chris assume. Chris is definitely, I mean, really, really, a really interesting fellow, yeah. So when you're brought in to do shoots, these are your point guys usually, right? Aren't they the people you meet first? 
I think that, you know, when I was young and I was shooting all this rock stuff, I did have to meet all these these gentlemen. And yeah. they were really always intriguing to me. I, I, I just remember that uh, Derek, was re- Derek Taylor yeah. was really so lovely because I came out to L.A. here, uh-huh. and um, he was working at Warner Brothers, and he just said, he just said, Kate, whatever you do, I'll cover the expenses. And he was really like, I was like, I was a kid. I was, it was yeah. so generous. It's yeah. so nice. Yeah. So where did you grow up? Poughkeepsie. In Poughkeepsie, New York. I would like to articulate yes. that Ed Wood, yeah. Billy Name, and mm. Lee Miller, the photographer, yeah. are from Poughkeepsie, and Kate Simon. Yeah, well, very good. Yes. You're in good company. Yeah, I know. Do you feel like Poughkeepsie gets a bad rap? I think it does with that pick your feet and Poughkeepsie shtick. Oh, uh, because of French Connection. Yeah, but but the you know um, Poughkeepsie is actually the home of Vassar College and really beautiful, and it's yeah. on the Hudson River, and sure. it's my home. Yeah. So what? Where do you start to you know feel like photography's got the pull for you? I mean, like for me, I I studied the history of photography at BU. Like I, you oh know, nice. Like and it was an amazing course because the teacher who was a photographer named Carl Carenza, I think is an art photographer, mm-hmm. but he started at Cave Paintings for the first semester and went up to the introduction of photography. And the second semester mm-hmm. was photography forward. So he established that whole idea of how we see, you know, what is mediated, what isn't, what is a lens. I mean, it was kind of fascinating. Wow. But I was kind of intrigued with it, and I did it briefly. But I, I could never get a handle on chemicals. It was the chemistry of it was overwhelming, and you apertures. Needed, you needed me. somebody like I had a. I lived with this photographer Joe Stevens, and yeah. I lived in London, and he did a. He he really helped me a ton, and mm. I remember. You needed somebody like Joe to say, you can do that, Mark, because I was with flash guns. I was like, no, no, I don't yeah. think I can do that. And he said, yes, you can. That's yeah. just sexist bullshit. Wow. And, and so he really, he, and he really helped me that way. Well, I mean, you start, you know, now it's, it's a totally different game, but you've got to sit, you've got, you know, a hundred rolls of film with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What were you shooting on, like plus X? Uh, well, you know, I still, not to get boring. Yeah. Uh, I can go, I can become a complete Nerd. nerd about film. All right. Well, what yeah. do you got? Okay. I love film. Yeah. I love to shoot film. I still shoot film. I love to touch film. Yeah. I bemoan the fact that printed matter is all digitally achieved now. I yeah. was on the plane. I bought all these magazines yeah. as is my typical behavior. Yeah. And all the reproduction is so bad. Because really? Because they're digitally reproduced. What do you yeah. see? What, what, is the t- what is the tell? The images, the tell is the images look flat. Mm. The color saturation looks bad. Interesting. And, you know, it's not it's not reprinted from color seps like the olden days. Yeah. And everything's digital. And I'm just saying that I, as a photographer, and I plan to, you know, uh, you know, not you know, create a, an anthology yeah. of all my work and continue working. I have some shoots set up when I go back to New York. I just shoot film, and I like to shoot uh, transparency film. Still, I you know shoot black and white and portrait. But what's your black and white film? Is it plus X usually? No, it's tri X. Tri X. Oh, so really? Yeah. A little grain to it. Yeah, I like that you're saying the plus X with the tight grain at one two five ASA. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling that. Yeah, but you're a tri X person. I'm a tri X freak. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it's more versatile. I could give a lecture on tri X. Why? Because of uh, available light? No, because all my pictures of Bob Marley. Yeah. That we're talking about, you know, at at some point, were shot in, you know, 1977 to 19. 80 yeah. on Tri-X predominantly, and they're, it's, they're still as good as they were in the 70s. Huh. It's a really stable film. Okay. And 
And I just want to say that there's one for Triax Film. Okay. And yeah. a lot of color shots of Bob, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The book's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank I mean, you. it's really something. Because yeah. it, it's not, you, you know, I mean, I, I know this is what we're going to talk about, but, but outside of the, all of it, but this Rebel Music, Bob Marley and Roots Reggae photographs by Kate Simon. It's not just a photo book. I mean, it's an oral history of reggae at that time. And the way it's kind of structured, because I don't know a lot about it. So for me to go through it, mm-hmm. it, I just realized I know nothing because I know the music. We all know the music, but you were there for the whole experience of the arc of that thing. It was it was incredible. Well, it seems like it was really, f- for whatever reason, obviously, because he was amazing, was this, it was like uh, a pivotal point in your life as as somebody who was engaging with art in general. Right. Right? Yeah, definitely. Because, like, it, like I don't know when it all started, but it, it just felt like given all the photographs you took leading up to meeting him or experiencing him and the whalers for the first time, it was almost like everything else just became, like, secondary for a little while. Yeah. But let's get up to that point. So you're in Poughkeepsie. Yeah, yeah. You got a camera? You're a high school camera person? Well, my father died. My father was a doctor like yeah. you. What kind of doctor? Daddy was a urologist. Oh, yeah. Specialist. Yeah. Yeah. Your father wasn't a urologist. Orthopedic. Yeah, right. I knew urologist, though. That's good. When your dad's a doctor, you know all the other doctors. I know. Doctors. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> when so, you got a problem, it's like, well, we'll just take you yeah, over to Johnson. Right. Yeah, that's right. We're taking a Morty's. Yeah. We're playing tennis with him this afternoon. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, uh, my father died when I was 17. And I was really close to him. I have three brothers. And then uh, I was at George Washington University. Mm. And then I went to the American College in Paris. And during that year, I met Jim Morrison and got him to help me write my term paper Come for on. Long Day's Journey Into Night. What, how, how, how was he a help? He was excellent. Really? Just like Jim Morrison, he was excellent. I totally liked him so much. How did he help you? Did he know that that No, play? I'm just like, this is so characteristic of my behavior. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm meeting this, like, major rock star, and I'm just thinking, God, Kate, you got to get Long Day's Journey and Tonight in. <laughs> Jim Morrison, okay, listen to you. Great great to meet you. I'm sorry about that whole, new, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, what they were getting him for some sort of, um, you know. And, uh, obscenity? Obscenity yeah. thing, yeah. He was very concerned about that, actually. Was, this, was it the, when he moved there at the end of his career? Or yeah, yeah, he oh, was there so with he, his girlfriend. So he's chubby and bearded? He was not chubby. Okay. I'm here to... Rec- to tell just bearded. people, no, he didn't have a beard. Oh, really? And he wasn't chubby. But this is where the last stop on I, the train. I saw for him. him two months before he died. Yeah. Okay. How'd you meet him? Well, I was standing in line at the First National City Bank on yeah. the Champs Elysees, and Jim came up to me and asked me if I'd teach him French. And you know, I looked at him and I thought, oh, he could help me with my long day's journey into night paper. <laughs> no, I thought, oh, that's Jim Morrison. Right. And I said, oh, and I had two guys with me from yeah. college, you know. And I said, uh. Oh, yeah, I could teach you French. Yeah. And um, then I got into the, you know, desperate, will you help me write the term paper? And he knew the play. He did. He did. He knew the play. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And and did he help? Yes, he certainly did. Oh. Yeah. Did you give him credit? <laughs> no, I didn't credit. But, uh, but so that was just a chance meeting. You weren't even yeah, a photographer. I liked him, though. I liked him. You know, well, he's I really a, obviously did. a charming guy. No, no. There was something, there was something about him that was... 
he 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 was he was charismatic of course but really really intelligent yeah he told me he wanted to you know just stop being doing music and go back to filmmaking uh-huh. and he was obviously a little bit terrified by all of the court stuff that was going on wow yeah yeah they kind of beat him down a bit a bit yeah yeah so that's before you're shooting pictures, though. Yeah, and but that's yeah. significant relative to my going into the music photography because I didn't take one picture of Jim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've only missed two people that I wanted to shoot. One's Albert Grossman because Albert always used to say to me, Kate, let me lose 15 pounds. Right. Oh, really? And, and I loved him. And yeah. I have no photographs of him because, you know, and I, and I was close with him too where so. was it where where did you meet him in in your life who was where it was in the mid-70s yeah i have i have this good friend anna capaldi whose husband was one of the her ex-husband started traffic the group yeah yeah what was and his jim name? capaldi jim, yeah. yeah and she's still a good friend of mine yeah. and she and she introduced me to albert grossman she's and she made she introduced me to Bob Marley yeah. and led zeppelin so okay. i could like go well grossman was uh dylan's guy right Indeed, he, and yeah. Janis Joplin, I think, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, so brilliant. Yeah, I mean, so fucking brilliant. Yeah. I, I yeah, these guys like yeah. the stories are just that they were, you know, tough. He was so generous with me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, and you know, just like you know, you just you can just sense people. You know, I mean, I just we I I'd stay at his house all yeah. the time and. Uh, he he was in Woodstock. He, yeah, in Bearsville. Yeah, uh-huh. he was such intellectually so sophisticated. I yeah. think uh, I think um, Neil Gaiman has that house now. Indeed, that's true. Uh, because subsequently, I was really tight with his widow, yeah. Sally Grossman. She passed away a couple of years ago. Well, I mean, I know that they, you know, they were big personalities, but those guys, you know, redefined music. Right. You know, they had to be there, too. You got the artist, but you got the right. other guys behind the scenes doing it. But that was the second part of my point that I was thinking about yeah. before I got here is, that, yeah. that, is that all of these, like, all of these managers, yeah. that, they, that, you know, the, the extent to which uh, these, you know, mentors help the creative, sure. it's really significant. Totally. I mean, Arden was like, you know, my, my buddy's in music management, and he—, he Spent time with Arden talking to him wow. about about managing. I mean, they they are you know the myth makers in a way. Right. You know they've got to guide these guys and talent. You know, yeah, you can barely manage talent as people. I know. You know. I know. But it's okay. So you're in France. When do you pick yeah. up a camera? Well, my father passed away, and I grifted his Nikon FTN. You know. Yeah. And, you know, because I, t- I asked my mother if I could drop out of George Washington University. Yeah. And she said yes, which shocked me. And I just, like, you know, played my advantage, went to Kennedy, flew to London, which I'd become familiar with. When this I- was after the Paris thing? Yeah, because yeah. I was in my second year in college in Paris when I met Okay, Jim. so you went back to yeah, home and back then you dropped and I out. I was in GW for met this great professor who yeah. really taught me. Photographer person? Yeah, at the Cochrane School of Art, which was part of George Washington University. Who is that guy? Mark Power was his name. Mm. Yeah. How did he change your mind? He just taught me the rudiments of photography. It's like okay. all that stuff, Mark, that you're saying was like putting you off, like yeah. the stop bath and the deck tall and yeah. all that, you know, D76. Yeah. You're just like the dilution factor. I'm like, you were like, I can't handle this stuff. How about those cans doing the negatives? Yeah, I loved How about all that rolling stuff. the negatives in that. the dark? I love that. And, and hoping they don't get smushed yeah, together. No, I was good at that. I'm not good at anything either. <laughs> but you, no, you I argue. can swim. 
drive and take pictures and that's kind of it. Okay, so he gives you the rudimentaries and then you go yeah. to London with your dad's camera. Yeah, I stole I I took the I I assimilated well, that. You can have it. Yeah. 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 And then I went to London and then I became this rock photographer and then I photographed pretty much anybody Yeah, you but what think is of. that what does that mean? So you you go to London what you get you just get it how how do you become the person with the camera at the rock thing? I mean, oh, how okay. do you get into the world? Well, I got there, and mm. all these friends of mine from GW were uh, working at this shop in High Holborn in London. Yeah. And then I found this job, and I worked there for a bit, and then I found this job at the Photographer's Gallery where okay. I met Joseph Kordelka, uh, David Bailey, Leonard Freed, David Hearn, uh, Cecil Beaton. Yeah. And I really, you know, was just, you know, saturated with all these art books and photo books. Yeah. And I then... Um, and then I saw this advert for a job at Disc and Music Echo, yeah. and I went along there with one photograph I'd taken of Elton John at, at a show, and they gave me a full-time job. Before he was big. Yeah. Yeah. And then I met this art director who became very significant to my life because I met Dave Fudger, and he said, oh, based on this picture, you definitely should get the gig. Oh, really? And then I worked with him at Sound subsequently, this other sort of weekly. There, all, there were five music weeklies in the 70s in London. And then I just shot, you know, Queen and Leonard Skinner and everyone you could think of. That's a, that's a big uh, jump. Queen to Leonard Skinner. That's yeah, that the full was a arc. Weird, yeah. But, uh, okay, so you, you had this picture of Elton John, which you took on your own. And, yeah. And what, you just gone to the show? Yeah, probably with my boyfriend. Yeah. 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 And... So what year is a 70? I'd say probably like 74. Okay. Yeah. So this is like early Elton. Hasn't broke yet. Yeah. And what's going on in 74 in Britain is what, the beginning of punk-ish? Yeah, I think punk was because Patti Smith came over to London, and I worked with her in 75. That's okay. when Horses came out. Right, okay. And so, I was working yeah. with this writer friend of mine, John Ingham, and we had to meet Patti over in Paris. She's the best. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah. So I shot her, and I would say that whole punk thing in London, which I was definitely a part of because— my the guy I lived with his best friends with Malcolm McLaren. He was always at our oh, house. Really? Yeah, he was at, at our the, house. And they had that shop on Kings Road. Yeah, and we, everyone was always hanging out there. Really? Me. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, the punk thing was, you know, it started with me because I was friends with the Clash, and they. How'd I, you meet those guys? Well, I was just really good friends with Paul Simonon and Joe Strummer and Mick Jones, and I loved their manager Bernie Rhodes. Yeah. And he said, Kate. Uh, will you take some photographs? And uh, ultimately, one of them was used for the cover of the first Clash album. Oh, that's yeah. you. The yeah. one uh, the, the where they're in the alley or white. whatever? Yeah. 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 Wild. So yeah. you're shooting for this magazine. So that gets you ACDC. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That gets you Freddie Mercury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Skinnerd. Yes, yeah. Nothing yeah. wrong. I, hey, look, Skinner I'm on big, the road was F U N. I'm a fucking big Skinner fan. I got a news for everybody. Those, that was a trip. Not a bad record. It was a trip. They're, all of them. Those I, guys knew how to party. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was nuts. <laughs> Ronnie and Alan and yeah, Gary. Yeah, you know, like Queen. I was with my friend, the writer John Ingham, and we were with Queen on the road, and their manager came in and said, "You want to see uh, the video? It's ready to see." So me and John were with Queen the first time they saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, really? Yeah, and they said, you know, they said, oh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So the original video. Yeah. These are the things that, you know, myth is made of. Yeah. But when you, so in terms of 
evolving as a photographer and, and is there a way to explain what you do and why you're so good at capturing these people? Well, you have to remember, we're talking about the very beginning and I've been doing it for 50 years, you know? So no, I like, get it, but still yeah. there's a sensibility. Yeah. Like, and so obviously, what you're saying, what, what do you have to cultivate to call forward a portrait on a kind of like, you really have a, you know, you can kind of consistently take a good yeah. portrait. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's definitely an applied skill. Sure. You learn as you go along. Yeah, for how sure. To, but is there, it, do, you, do you find that you disappear in the exchange in terms of, like some photographers talk about, you know, kind of being a fly in the wall or not being noticed or. You, you, no, but, I don't disappear. Yeah. There's only, I have found that, uh, you know, just like any uh, human to human uh you know, relationship, yeah. you just, it's, you know, you have to be, and you cultivate this sort of sensitivity and some kind of telepathy, I reckon, so that you have a feel. If you're a portrait photographer, you got to know how your subject feels and what your subject is telling you. Do you guide them at all? You know, I don't. I really, really don't. I yeah. only do one thing, which I've learned over the course of doing this for a yeah. long time. I tell the subject that they can tell me whenever they feel burnout. Yeah. So they know there's an exit. Right. Otherwise, and they feel, and you see them have this like relief, you know. Otherwise, I, I reckon they feel like they're like, you know, an insect on a pin. Right. This way they know, oh man, I can just tell her whenever I got a split. Yeah. And then once you tell them that, I mean, I'm putting myself in their shoes. Yeah. They, they seem to really just chill out and it seems to help. And, but there's a difference between shooting, obviously, live photographs, backstage photographs, and studio photographs. Right. Right? Because I imagine, well, live, they barely notice you because you're a part of an audience right. in, in a way. But backstage, then you kind of got to pull back a little bit, right, and let them be what they're going to be. Well, you know, when I was a kid, I did all that backstage stuff and live stuff, but now I just shoot these people in their house. Sure. So, like, when yeah. you were, like, going to Clash concerts, yeah. I mean, what was the vibe? I mean, you're going to pick up on all that energy, right? I mean, it was new shit. Yeah. They were seismically brilliant yeah. live. I mean, yeah. I got to say that uh, the light, the lighting was so terrible on those Clash shows. It was so difficult because I was shooting available light. Well, you got Tri-X. <laughs> yeah, I got Tri-X, but still, with them, yeah. I wanted color, and right. it was like even at 15th of a second, you know, pushing the film, yeah. I just like, they were, they were, so, the lighting was really quite, quite challenging, yeah. But so, you were there, like, Motorhead was happening? Yeah, and everybody. Lemmy, everybody knew Lemmy. Yeah. Yeah, because it was like this, you know, it was like IT and the Underground Press, yeah. and Lemmy and Mick Farron, and, and I was good friends with Lester Bangs, and he came over, Lester would come over from, uh, he lived in Detroit at the time, or actually Royal Oak, Michigan, and he would stay with me and Joe. Really? And then he had his, I remember one time he was staying with us, and this is pretty funny. Yeah. He, he, I said, okay, good night. Yeah. And so he went into his room, and he put on white light, white heat sure. on repeat. Yeah. And drank like a vat of white wine. Yeah. And I could hear him like, you know, like moaning. I mean, just like, he was like, he was. Yeah. And then I worked with Lester a lot, and we. Well, so Lester was, you know, he was sort of the defining rock critic yeah. of that time. What was that? The early, late sixties, early seventies. No, I'd say you Lester was about, uh, 
you know, we're talking, we're talking like 75, 76. He, he introduced me to William S. Burroughs and took me to meet William in New York and to be his photographer the first time I started shooting William. And then I shot William from 1975 to 1995. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah because when I was looking at the pictures in, in some of your catalogs, you know, those are the pictures of him. Oh, thank you. Thank I mean, you. like when you see the picture, you're like, I know that picture. Oh, man, thanks. But I, I wouldn't have known it was. But he, but so Bangs was at Cream Magazine at he the time. He was, right, yeah. And and so as a person, because he's always, you know, he's always characterized as a, a very specific and I don't know if it's volatile, but he definitely had opinions and he definitely championed a type of music that was not, it was marginal music at the time, really, right? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and like he was like a huge Velvet Underground guy. I mean, no fake. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so I'm trying to tell you, he's staying at my house. With the uh, white light, white Yeah, heat. yeah. Um, no, I think that also what you're, what you're intimating is that he was highly intelligent. Yeah. And he was a brilliant, brilliant writer. And he, you know, defined the medium. And also uh, when he was interviewing William S. Burroughs, when he introduced me to William for the first time uh, at William's flat on Franklin Street in New York. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he just, he just blew William's mind because he knew William's work just like he knew it by heart. And then, you know, Patti Smith came in and, uh, well, at the end of the, of the interview and I took her picture with William, but Lester was a real genius. Well, that was the time where, where, you know, William was sort of holding court there in the bunker, right? And this wasn't the bunker. This is when he had a loft on Franklin Street. Oh, it was before the bunker. And then subsequently he was living in the bunker, and I photographed him, like, there at the bunker a ton. But you took those great pictures of him with the handgun, too. Yeah, that was at the bunker. Those were in, I'd say, probably 1984. Okay, so yeah. so you, you kind of, when, when do you play out London? When are you done with London? Well, it was, it's funny. All my friends, yeah. they married people to stay in the U.K., and I thought, no, no, no. And even this friend of mine from the photographer's gallery said, you can marry my brother. And I just thought, no, I don't want to, like, marry somebody to stay in England. Yeah. I'm just going to go back to – I want to be American. Yeah. So I went back to New- – <laughs> so then I moved to New York. Yeah. And I'd never lived in New York before as I'm from upstate New York, Poughkeepsie. Right. And I moved into the flat that I still live in near Carnegie Hall. And – then I progressed as a photographer. I met this my best friend Carl Apfelschnitt, who was yeah. a painter, and he took me through the art world. And I started shooting, you know, very focused on painters and Ed the Boucher art world. and I yeah, saw all these you painters. did Louise Bourgeois. Yeah, is that how you say your name? Yeah, Louise Bourgeois. And then, you know, I, I mean, I shot a lot of John Giorno and William yeah. S. Burroughs, and um, and were these for magazines? Or I, I, just... I, yeah, I mean, and Louise Bourgeois was for the Washington Post. She was interesting. Yeah, huh? she was genius. I photographed her in the ni- when she was in her nineties and seventies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you get to New York and you're you just hit the ground running. And so, yeah. but but the, at that time, must was that the late seventies ish? Uh yeah. So sure. so punk is happening because you've got those pictures of, yeah. of of Richard Howell and he looks pretty young. Yeah. And but then Lou Reed's hanging around. So yeah, there's yeah. That, there's that mixture of you know, what defined kind of uh, uh, experimental rock music in the late 60s, but they're all still around, like Kale and Reed and everybody's still yeah. around because Kale's producing Patti Smith. Right. And they're all hanging out at Max's, I guess. Right. And you're there. 
Right. That must have been pretty fun. Do you remember? It, it? was fun. I remember everything. That's yeah. the problem. I do. <laughs> and Iggy, do you remember yeah. Iggy when he first came? I, I photographed Iggy in 77. He was genius. Yeah. Was that when he came and he rolled around in the glass? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I photographed was... him when he was doing that tour where David Bowie was playing the piano. Okay. And he he just, he was, that, those pictures were, you were, those were so great to shoot him then. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I've talked to him. He's another kind of brilliant guy. I enjoyed photographing him at his home as well. Yeah. He was a great photo subject. And what about, um, what about Lou? Lou Reed yeah. is, you know, without doubt, I mean, what what can you say? Yeah. Did I you mean, know him? I did, yeah. yeah. I mean, I photographed him. I I photographed him in many many times, and uh, you know, I was friends with John Cale. I met him in the UK, and then uh, I took this famous picture of Lou and John at Lou's apartment. Yeah, yeah, that was a riot. And then, uh, yeah, I just saw I saw Lou Reed so many times. You know, around New York, and yeah. you know he he was he was friends with a lot of you know art world friends of mine, and and what was the know. vibe like in New York? Was it it was was that during the period? Well, I guess it was the early seventies. Was was it still? Did it feel pretty broken? Uh, when I uh, moved to New yeah. York from the UK, yeah, like downtown, yeah, was man, it? for yeah. sure, yeah, it was something else. I yeah. mean. Uh, Yes, you can see it in Downtown 81, my friend Glenn O'Brien's movie. The, the best thing about that movie is that there's all those pictures of the Lower East Side, the way it used to look, like yeah. the DMZ. Yeah. It was all burnt out. Yeah. Yeah, th- those were great times and in the And CVs, York. a lot of CVs? I went to, you mean CBGs? Yeah. Yeah, I went there and photographed all those people, yeah. Like who? I mean, the heads, Verlaine, uh, Talking Heads, Tom Verlaine, heck, yeah, the, all, yeah. the whole, the whole, the, the whole. Heartbreakers. Pretty much, yeah, all, all of them. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. How'd you like? What What was the vibe around? Because like it, it just seems like you know heroin, kind of like came in and was you know really destructive, and and it, and I always wonder because you know people talk about it in in the abstract a little bit, but I mean you must have been able to feel it. You can't hide dope, so I, I have to assume that you know there was a, a sort of constant sense that. People could drop dead at any time. No, I mean, like, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, heroin, you know, tons of people took heroin. I knew yeah. a million painters and writers and yeah. well-known people. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, just because you take heroin once in a while or once in a blue moon sure. doesn't mean you're going to become somebody who takes Strung it every out. day. I right. never, never, you know, I never understood that. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm just saying. Yeah, it was around. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and some people were really featuring it. Yeah. And then there were there were all these art world figures who you know were just, just taking it once in a while, and yeah. it was like not. It didn't become you know the definition of their life. You know, yeah. and moving on. Sure, you know? sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, good for them. Yeah, right on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It didn't. It didn't get them. I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so when did you meet Warhol? And was that was he? Somebody, because when you talk about taking pictures of people yeah. and the idea of it and, and the whole idea of what, you know, what he gave to the art world, I mean, when you met him, was it weird or exciting or did, were you a fan? You know, I've never been a, quote, fan of mm. anybody. Mm. I mean, it's just not me. Not even photographers? Um, well, 
I mean, I'm not I'm not brain dead. I love Robert Frank. Oh yeah, of course. I love Cartier Bresson. Yeah. I love Eugene Atge. Yeah. I mean, I love Bressaille, Cartes. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never been a fan, which is good because you don't want to be a fan when you're taking pictures of these people, right? No, of course. I mean, I know that from talking to them. If yeah. I'm a fan, it's going to be a fanboy, you know, conversation. Yeah. yeah. And usually, I, I have a, a fundamental. Uh, uh, not cynicism, but uh, I, I usually say lack of respect, but I don't think that's it. I think I have a fundamental need and ability to see them as people. Me too. I, I, well, yeah, I think that's yeah. what makes you great. Oh, thanks. I, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's interesting, though. So where did you photograph Warhol, though? Oh, that's right. Like so a big the day. thing is, you know, not uh, not to, you know, say that I wasn't impressed with Andy Warhol because sure. I liked him immeasurably. Yeah. And he was a great photo subject. Yeah. And he was always completely collaborative and willing to be photographed. And I was, to answer your question, I was working with my good friend Glenn O'Brien for interview. I was one of their contributing photographers. Yeah. And Andy Warhol's studio was on one side and the interview magazine was on the other side. So I would go over to the other side and shoot Andy Warhol. And he was always completely willing to be photographed. And yeah. he would say, he, he would, would always say that he'd say, you know, he wanted to know where I got what I was wearing. Like, oh, where'd you get that shirt? <laughs> That oh, was, where'd you get that skirt? That was his trick. Yeah. Well, yeah. well where'd you get those boots? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, I photographed him a lot yeah. over there. Yeah. And Bridget Berlin, who I, I I became friends with, and I just really revere her as an artist. Yeah. And, uh, so it, I, he, he was— uh, That's so funny because that's such yeah. a trick, you know. What? Yeah, where'd you get those boots? Yeah, because it, like, oh. it, it disarms you immediately. Yeah. I'm sure he was earnest, but that's like, you know, all of a sudden he makes it not about him and you feel seen. Yeah, true. You know? He had a lot of things that I, I mean, I, I you know what I, I noticed about him? I got every camera that Andy Warhol used. Yeah. He, he used a Minox GL for a while. I bought one. He used a Konica <laughs> with a pop-up flash. I got one. Yeah. He famously used the Pro... The, the the Polaroid Pro uh, shoot with the long, yeah. you know, that was brilliant of, on his part. I, yeah. I did not get that. But um, it was yeah. interesting. So the, the, but he the, always had something as an as an interface, as something. He had a kind of veil between him and other people. He had a, a cassette player and sure. a camera. Yeah. So I, I got stuff that I'm doing and that I can reconcile why I'm out here. Yeah. Because uh, he went out a bit, a lot. Yeah. And he, he, made, he, made, he made art out of it. Yeah. Sure. The, the Polaroid era was a pretty big era. Yeah. And he, all those paintings he took from photos. Polaroids, yeah. 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 And then Hockney did all that weird shit with the photo montages. Yeah, he did, yeah. Oh, my God. That's, those are something else. Right? Yeah, really. And he was a pretty good painter, too. You know, but yeah. But he did the—I still remember those photo montages. But, um, all right, so that's—so let's talk specifically about Burroughs, because you seem to have had a long relationship with him. Yeah, I really—I loved William. Because, like, when I—I I don't have—you know, I, I've listened to him talk, and I've watched a documentary, and I've obviously read his books— but when he's very disarming because he's sort of this weird, sweet, almost soft-spoken old guy, right? William? Yeah. A sweet, <laughs> soft-spoken old guy? <laughs> no. <laughs> William, you know, me and William just got along. Yeah. And I would just say William was, you know, I mean, one of my two favorite photo subjects, Bob Marley being the other one. Yeah. William really knew how to be a photo subject, and yeah. he was just so great. Yeah. So I just, when I was taking his portrait, it was just so gratifying, and he got to sort of know 
that Kate's not going to, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, we just, I don't know what he was thinking, but I know that we both respected each other. Yeah. And I treated him with immense respect and always good manners. And I didn't get too close and I wasn't like a fan. Right. And, you know, I don't think that William was Mr. Fuzzy Bunny by any stretch. Yeah. I think he was definitely (laughs) not like that. But did you talk to him? Yeah, for sure, tons. In fact, yeah. the last time I saw William, he was talking to me about how, and no, I was at John Giorno at the bunker, yeah. and I shot that Life, Life is a Killer photograph in front of John's piece, yeah. and and William wanted to talk to me about how next week he was going to have cataract surgery. Right, yeah, yeah, And yeah. like, you know, I was like looking at him and talking to him and listening to him, and yeah. and, uh, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I shot him at his home in Lawrence, Kansas, and like you, Mark, he was a cat freak and wrote a great book which called the cat inside okay yeah and um so i photographed him at his home in lawrence kansas and in new york and out uh i just photographed him you know so much i I didn't photograph him him in london um and he lived on he lived in london for quite a while but the last time i saw him at at the bunker when i did the life is a killer shoot he had just seen paul bowles who he had come in from Kansas. They were old friends, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he hadn't seen Paul Bowles in 25 years. And I said, uh, so did you have fun? Was it nice seeing Paul Bowles? And yeah. he said, oh, it was excellent. We talked about all of our old friends. Uh, They're all dead now. You know, yeah. Something like that. Well, that's sweet. Oh, he was great. Yeah. And and what do you think it was? That, like, Because you know, what was always sort of fascinating to me is that when he was at the bunker, that there was a select group of young artists and musicians that would just come and sit around. I reckon, yeah. And and it was did did he say stuff or were they just wanted to be part of the presence? I mean, was he was he spinning yarns? I mean, what, what no, was No, no, no. I mean, when I was there, yeah. you know, it was a it was a it was a it was a it was very, you know, defined. I mm. was there with my best friend Carl Apfelschnitt, uh, a painter, and I was there with Ira Silverberg who was William's secretary's boyfriend, James yeah. Grauholt. Yeah. So it was like me, J- John Giorno, Carl Apfelschnitt, Iris Silverberg, and William. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. And none of us were, you know, fans and and I wasn't I wasn't taking heroin with William S. Burroughs. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this sort of myth, myth yeah. which you're sort of alluding to, which makes sense about how, you know, young uh, acolytes were sort of hanging yeah. on his every word. Yeah. I never saw that. That wasn't. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, because no. you were there for a reason. Oh, I was working. You yeah. Know, and uh, and you shot Blondie and Madonna. Yeah. She, well, Debbie and Chris lived in the flat above me. Oh, and for a long where time. Where Sprouse lives now? You were, yeah, we're me and the yeah, Sprouse. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I shot Debbie a lot. She was she's impeccable. Oh God, she's. You guys great. still friends? Yeah, I like her a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see her, but. Um, I mean, I I photographed her out in her house in New Jer- uh, out in um, New Jersey. She yeah. has a house, yeah. Because I was just uh, he, she's they're touring a bit. I just earlier today, John Doe was in here from oh, X. F- oh wow! Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, I, I've never met him. Sweet guy. That's I photographed. A good band. Uh, is he related to Lydia Launch? No, no, no. That's... He, X is X is him and Exine oh, Cervanka. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, uh, well, Lydia's like. Around, right? I photographed, well, because I did this uh, photograph with Lydia Lunch and uh, 
William, uh, and yeah, so yeah, that's one of It sounds like there's a lot of photographs that I, uh, that are not in a book. Yeah, that's why I brought these, you know, I didn't have time, I, I went, I looked on my iPad because I wanted to sh- show you more pictures, yeah. and then I like just downloaded some, but we didn't have time to look at them because I sh- I've shot like a ton of other people. And what are you going to do with them? Uh, with all these billions you, of pictures. Yeah, where's the big book? Well, I'm, I'm going to do the big book. Okay. That's what I'm – interest. Yeah, that is certainly what I'm driving toward is the big book. Yeah. Yes. It's good. Yeah. So how did this – like – because like, despite saying you're not a fan, there's definitely people you like right. as subjects yeah. and probably as people. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds to me like the Marley experience from the beginning, you, you know, it must have been hard for you – to separate that in a way. I mean, I just couldn't ever forget Bob Marley. When, I mean, when did that happen first? In well, England? Where well, did you first see him? I first photographed Bob in 1975 at the Lyceum. And um, then I just, you know, I met him afterwards after the show. Anna Capaldi introduced me to him. And then I just, the picture, I got the film back and the pictures were really good yeah and i just i'd never heard this kind of reggae before and then i just i just really i really had a good rapport with him so that's when i just started focusing on shooting this genre of music and i kept going down to jamaica and going back to jamaica and you know so the music moved you yeah the music mainly mainly well bob really i was bob and the whalers you know family man barrett uh, his brother Carlton Barrett, the yeah. drummer, you know, the Bob Marley and the Whalers. It was something else. Yeah. And Bob, I still, when I look at these videos of him, you know, on YouTube, yeah. he was, he was transcendent. Yes, he was. Well, they say you know, shot more shaman than showman. You know, yeah. he was just yeah. That's how. So he really took me, and then I went on the road with him all over Europe. And in, was that the Exodus? Yeah, tour? the Exodus tour, and. Uh, I photographed him in, you know, Paris and all over Germany and and Copenhagen and Sweden. And then we went back to London. And then, you know, we just had a great rapport. And I shot him down and I did the Kaya cover down in Jamaica. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just love photographing him. So before before Bob, though, when you photographed these artists, I mean, were you did you like the music? Generally, I mean, were you like a Bowie person? I love David Bowie. I shot him a ton. Yeah. I mean, I love David Bowie. David Bowie then, I started shooting him in 1974. The first time I shot him was the Young Americans tour. Okay. He was in Philadelphia. I think he was using uh, Sigma Sound in Philly, Uh if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Anyway, genius shows down there. And my brother uh, went to Penn, and he still lives in Philly. So I went down. I shot Bowie in Philly, and uh, that, those shows were great. Then I shot him at Radio City, Young Americans, brilliant. He was yeah. great. Then I shot him in Paris with the uh, Thin White Duke yeah, ones, those sure. great lights. With the white suit? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I photographed him in the studio making Diamond Dogs. Oh, yeah. And then... Um, uh, and then, uh, then coincidentally, he moved right right around the corner from me in Woodstock, New York. Really? Yeah. So he was my neighbor. And uh, <laughs> did I would you see, have a relationship with him? Well, we'd see each other in 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 the shop. Yeah. And we were like the only two people who went to the shop. Yeah. And we both like looked at each other and both decided that you know it's like I see you, you see me. Great to see What's you. What's the shop? It's called the Cub. Oh. Yeah. It's what, still there. What is it? 
It's just this place where if you want to buy groceries, but you don't want to go all the way into town. Oh, okay. And you want to like stay in the <laughs> okay. mountains. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's really it's a great place. So you acknowledged each other. Yeah, we sure did. Yeah. But was there? I, mean, any... I just I bring it up, Mark, only because uh, I thought it was kind of coincidental that this person from my past would move in right around of the corner from me. Yeah. Yeah. Do, you don't have a place up there anymore. No, I don't. Oh. Yeah. So, so out of it seems in talking to you that the people that had the, the most impact in terms of your connection with them as artists were like that you shot were the Clash and Bowie and Marley. Yeah, I'd say those three were really. I mean, there's so many. But you I shot mean, Zeppelin and everything, but they I, weren't. Yeah, I really loved working with them. Yeah. Yes, I did. You got those great. I mean, those are early shots of them. Yeah, they're like like seventy five, seventy four. Yeah, but I guess it's weird, like, you know, that your experience with these people, it's very intimate, and you grab these moments, but you, I, I would assume that, you know, talking is not the thing, right? You're not going to, you no. know, it's not you're really the gig. No, it's certainly not. How would you like to have a photographer who wouldn't shut up? No, I, I don't like when they tell me to do things. Yeah, I don't tell people what to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're there with a the camera. I mean, you know, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about let's let's stick with this book because I want people to, to yeah for sure to buy the book because you know it's interesting what happened with reggae when it kind of came onto the world scene it really did change everything okay. musically uh-huh. you know right and it was really a moment and then like it, it almost kind of got played out a little bit over time but you know there's people that you know Keith Richards has a connection. To it in a very well, deep Keith way. Keith Richard wrote a, I a saw piece that in for the, the back. book. Yeah, in the back of the book. And also Lenny Kravitz wrote yeah. an incredible piece. And Keith's is great. And then Patti Smith wrote yeah. the introduction, which is beautiful. And but then so, uh, Bruce Springsteen wrote a piece for it. Yeah, but somehow or another that because of your love of, of the music and, and of the subject of Bob, this book, you're able to, to capture the history of that time and the history of the music, but also the sociopolitical yeah. element yeah. of Jamaica that like this is like a, a it's it's almost like a full kind of documentary photography book because yeah, it's not just you know the the players but it's what they were up against oh yeah the one love peace concert was very political and and these guys some of them were under threat right i mean i, I think so yeah i don't know what the situation around peter tosh getting killed was i but, don't either but but it it seemed like that they were up against that it was a, a real uprising. Right. And that he was the voice of something. I photographed these gunmen who were, you know, serious gunmen, Bucky Marshall. And, you know, there was a truce for like about 15 seconds. And I was down there in Rima. And I think they thought I was a hallucination. How many times did you go down there? Oh, uh, a, lot. a lot. I was sent down there by a lot of record companies. And, you know, I like going down there still. Yeah. Oh, and, really? And uh, I usually stay at GoldenEye, I mean, because it's so beautiful. Yeah. You can look at where um, Ian Fleming used to write and everything. And what was, like, you you took a lot of pictures of Scratch Perry, right? Yeah, I fucking loved him. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a new record coming out, that one that he did with Keith. They're reissuing oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's coming oh, out for Record Store Day. That's really? Yeah. Because, um, you know, I really wanted Keith Richard to be, you know, interviewed for this book. Yeah. And I was really glad that he did it because he worked with Robbie and Sly. Yeah. And he worked with Scratch. Yeah. And uh, he loved it down there. I, I you know, he was so down do there I... when he was on the lamb. Oh, really? I think originally he was just trying to avoid 
you know, uh, the, the different problems he was having with himself and with the law. I mean, and I, I think that's I thought, how he ended up there. I thought to myself, uh, sorry to interrupt you. That's all right. I thought to myself, Mark, oh, yeah, probably Mark has having me on the show because he's such a Keith person. No. Yeah, you are with the hats. No, no, I am. I am a you Keith got person. The hat. But this is the first. He hasn't come up. We've been talking an hour and you didn't come up. Oh, okay. Good. I, I mean, I like I know I, you did some shots of the Stones, but it didn't seem like I were, shot them a lot. You did. I have a lot of shots of them live. Yeah. But what about backstage and stuff? And you know, off stage, I have a, a bit. Yeah, I have I have a bit of off stage. Yeah. And Mick Jagger was down at the One Love Peace concert. It's in the Re- yeah. It's in my book Rebel Music. No, I saw the picture. Yeah. Yeah. He, but uh, yeah, no. He asked you for money. Well, yeah, I mean, he didn't have any cash. And, uh, what is it with rich people not carrying any I don't know. Cash? What's that about? That's a thing. <laughs> it is a That's thing. That's a thing. <laughs> I've seen it before. <laughs> I should try that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. You know, I'd love to, like, pay for this, but I'm, 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 I don't have any cash. But it seems like in the book, which is, again, beautiful, that you, you've got the full arc of his life because you were asked to go down there and shoot the funeral. Yeah, I what, went by myself. Was that devastating? It was unbelievable, his funeral. Yeah, it was devastating, too. How yeah. did, what, what, he died of gangrene? How, no, what? no, no, no. He died of melanin, of cancer. Oh, of cancer, yeah. okay. And uh, it was, he was 36. Oh, my God. And um, you have to remember that when I was on the road with Bob in 77, he was only 32, and he'd already done Exodus. He'd yeah. done his, the major, most of his records he'd yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that's that's how he passed away. But the the funeral was was just so uh, epic, and uh, it was he was lying in state, and um, I was sent down there by a tabloid out of the UK. I flew down there, yeah. and I just went in and I photographed the Ethiopian uh, cer- priests and the ceremony, yeah. and then the whole cortege all the way from Kingston to Saint Anne. Yeah, and the I was right in front of the casket in this flatbed truck. And we got to where he was being buried, and it was the whole mountainside was covered with people. And oh. yeah, it was de- it was devastating. Yeah, because mm. if he was alive now, I can't imagine how great his music would be. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you've shot a lot of people that have passed probably prematurely, and it's hard to know what people would have done. That's true, but yeah. Bob was only thirty six. I know. I'm still good friends with his cook. Yeah. Yeah, Gilly. Yeah. And uh he he's in Miami and and we talk a lot. We talk regularly. Yeah. Does he cook? He certainly does. <laughs> I was thinking about you about his cooking cuz his recipes are in my book Rebel Music. Yeah. Uh and uh and he he's he, he's a lovely chap and yeah. uh you know this is very interesting was when I was on the road with Bob Marley and the Whalers is that they would always have to stay in a hotel with a kitchen. Because Gilly had to do the Itel food, and it would be very, you know, I mean, you know, I... There was restrictions? I don't know. I mean, it was just very, really great health food. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I can't really define what Gilly's recipes are, but they're in the book. Okay. Some of them, yeah. Who helped you put this book together? Oh, Genesis Publications. Yeah. Uh, They published it. And, but uh, whose idea was it to have the the sort of running oral history of things? You oh, um, um, oh, you mean oh, you mean my narrative around the photographs? Yeah, that yeah. Kind of but thing? and also talking to people, it seems like you placed quotes from you know all these different people that yeah. were there. Yeah, that was all you. Well, no, my friend Megan Voss, who's married to Steve Jordan, who plays with the Rolling Stones. I know Steve Jordan. Oh, he's 
fantastic. And great. And Megan is heaven. Yeah. And Megan came around to my studio and we, you know, I'd, I'd already done the book, put it yeah. together for Genesis. Yeah. And Megan said, now listen, man, I want to sit down with you and we're going to like, just like, you know, elaborate on your answers a bit. Yeah. And she helped me immeasurably. Yeah. And yeah. how'd you wrangle all the different quotes from people who were part of it? Oh, you mean like Paul Simonon yeah, and yeah. Joe Strummer? Yeah, I mean— They're all friends of mine. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we just got everybody that we wanted to. I mean, Steve got us Springsteen. Yeah. And, you know, we tried to get Keith the first time out because this is a reiteration of the designer book mm-hmm. that came out in 2004. And now we put more pictures in it, and we did a different layout and more substance to it. Yeah. And it's a bookstore version— and it's a lower price point. Okay. So that's why it's really worth getting. And there seems to be a, there seems to be some Bob Marley in the air right now. There's a movie coming out. Yeah, there's a movie about Bob coming out. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to be. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, because you got to think positive, Mark. Okay. Um, and you got to remember that Bob's message and his spirit. Yeah. Were, you know, all about interdependence. Yeah. And you know. Uh, one love, yeah, and this is no jive. Yeah. And he was really, you know, a really conscious person. And so, if this movie makes people listen to his music, this is a good thing. Yeah, I gotta listen to some now. Yeah, for sure. What's your favorite Bob Marley record? You know, I'll tell you the truth. Yeah, I I love Rastaman Vibration. Yeah, I mean, I can't find anything I don't like about that. Yeah, yeah. I love Natty Dread. Yeah, I love Natty Dread. I, I, you know, I love Burning. I yeah. love Catch a Fire. So all of them. I love Uprising. <laughs> yeah. And so I love Exodus. It's yeah. like Exodus. It's almost like it builds up to Exodus. Yeah. And when I was on the road with them, they gave me the record to listen to before it came out. And it really inspired my photographs. Yeah. yeah. Well, you definitely got the spirit of all of them. Yeah. Just remember, Family Man Barrett and his brother Carlton Barrett, the bass and the drums. Yeah. Wow. Because you're a musician. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, you're... That rhythm section. Yeah, that was yeah. it. That was it. All right. Well, I think we did good. You feel all right? I feel fantastic. I'm so, I'm so you know, grateful gonna, that you had me. You're going to leave here feeling like it was good? You, you, didn't, you got all the things on your pads that you wanted well, to Well, you, you, know, you know, I just, you know, I just want to make sure that I... Let you know, Mark, yeah. that I have been working dutifully and diligently and plan to keep working until, you know, I get my anthology out. I just got to like, you know, yeah, that's I'm, keep, gonna be, I'm working on that. That's going to be great because a lot of the pictures are out there, but yeah. they just they're not published in a collection. Like you yeah. did them for for outlets. Definitely. Right. Yeah, for every pro- publication. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. And now you just got to wrangle them all together. Right on. You yeah. got, and you're still working. You 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 don't do your own lab stuff, do you? No way. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm doing a really big painter who uh, who I would mention, but I can't pronounce his name correctly, and I don't want to blow it. I'm uh, on December sixth, so I'm still shooting, and it's kind of like my kind of my whole mo is like I shoot, shoot, shoot a lot. Yeah. For like like I mean just a lot, and then I just stop, and then. And and when I go through the stop period, I'm like, well, what's going on with the stop period? <laughs> and then finally, like, it comes back. Oh, good. But I don't know if you can relate to that. But sure. It's like this German. I German- can't stop for very long. But, yeah, you know, yeah. even if I stop for two weeks, I'm like, where? who am I? That's am right. 
Because you were saying that during the pandemic. Right. Do I want to do this? Yeah, what's my place in the world? That's right. What is it? You know, I mean, but at least with photographs, you leave something. With comedy, it goes, it just goes into the ether. I was thinking about you because I was thinking about how, you know, I've been, you know, you know, I listen to you regularly and I and I just am so respectful of you. And I was watching this bio of uh, of Mike Nichols the other night. Yeah. And and how great it was just to listen to him think and talk. Yeah. And this is what I think about you, Mark. Well, you thank are you. you're one of the great verbal maestros oh, well, right thank now. Thank you. I appreciate that. And this that. is this is why I came all the way to Los Angeles to talk to you. Well, I'm I'm yeah. honored. Yeah, my and I was, pleasure. And I was happy that we were able to yeah, do it. And for and sure. I think it went great. Thanks for coming. Thank you. There you go. Wild. We went through it. A lot of people, a lot of pictures. You can get Rebel Music at MarleyBook.com and look at some of her other stuff. I mean, there's a picture of Ozzy Osbourne she did. I don't know if you can find it, but he looks like a kid. He looks so sweet. Anyway, hang out for a minute. Hey, a very happy birthday to Fred Armisen. He came to my birthday party this year, so I'm wishing him a great birthday right here on the show. And you can check out my episode with Fred from back in 2015 right now for free in whatever podcast app you're using. It's episode 636. Was meeting musicians that you respected more exciting than doing the show? Um, it was, yes, it was, it was really exciting. <laughs> Seeing all the, all the different kinds too, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. stuff I never, people I never would have imagined meeting. Like who? Uh, I remember meeting um, the uh, the musicians for Paul Simon, uh-huh. Steve Gadd, the drummer, who I, it never occurred to me that I'd ever meet this person. Right, he'd been with him for years, right? Oh, he's the he's um Fifty Ways to Leave Your Love. Yeah, he yeah. composed that drum beat. <laughs> yeah, so at the studio, this is going to sound like a made up talk show story, but I, I have you told it many times? <laughs> no, no, okay, I've never, <laughs> but I saw him and I go, you got to show me that beat. <laughs> so we went to the kit. We yeah. went to the kit and he showed me what it is. Yeah. And it's an upside down, insane beat that makes no sense. And he was like, and you know how musicians, you assume they talk like scholars. Yeah. He was like a New York guy. He's like, yeah, yeah I just kind of turned around. You know, I had this, he's very sort of, um, very, he explained it very, in a very simple way, but it's a very upside down, bizarre beat. Can you nail it? Yeah. It's like, You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you couldn't have figured that out on your own? No way, no way. Really? Because the way you hear it is different than it's played. Oh, okay. Again, that's episode 636, and you can listen to it for free right now. But if you want to listen to all WTF episodes ad-free, you can sign up for WTF+. Plus. Just go to the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF+. Plus. Here we go. This is actually, I'm playing the guitar that Fred Armisen gave to me.
looking in the pond, the cat is everywhere.